Paul said, let us behave decently. I mean, if you're Augustine, if you're reading this through his eyes, he's thinking, whoa, this is just for him. As in the daytime, not in orgies or drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of your sinful nature. In one moment, Augustine turned away from his dark past and turned to a transforming love and devotion to Jesus Christ. Just like that, the Holy Spirit touched him. You know, that's one of the amazing, amazing things about the faith is God is so powerful, he can change no matter how bad we think we are or have been, God can make all things new in Christ. And for me, that was very firm with Augustine because I, this guy, he was, he was bad. And yet how God was stronger and brought him into a relationship uh, with him. And then, that's my, my first thought is how to live for Christ. And we're going to stay with Romans 14 here. Rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. In this verse, I believe Paul summarized two basic components for walking with Christ. Putting off Christ or putting him on. I want to continue again in verse 14. Rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ means we are to arm ourselves with the resources of Jesus himself, including, this includes his example. The Bible says, follow Jesus' example. You go to, what is it, uh, Galatians, uh, uh, five, what is it, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, 522, Galatians 522. And that's God and Jesus' character, that's who they are. And then this, the Bible tells us we're to follow his teachings, and then to follow his teachings, and then, and then we're to really, he has expectations for us that we are trying to, we should try to gravitate and seek to follow his expectations. And lastly, the importance of divine, his divine power. We cannot function as Christians without his divine power. We can have a lot of head knowledge, but if we don't have his power working in us, it is pretty much words more than anything else. Amen? So, 14b, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of your sinful nature. Listen to this. We overcome the sinful flesh by making Jesus Lord of everyday life. Now, I'm going to pause here because I need, we need to think about that for a moment. There are some people, there are some people that find it hard to take the necessary steps to avoid their personal problems. Are you with me? Here's an example. If a person has a very, 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 very severe partying and drinking problem. It doesn't help if they restock their liquor cabinet and throw, you know, a booze party for their friends. 
See, that just opens the door, that opens the door for returning to the old ways. And the old ways are of gratifying the sinful nature. That was Augustine. That's us. As we come to Christ, we need to throw away all those things that pull us away from God. We can only do that through his Holy Spirit. And so, to me, this is very, very important that we see this. So instead of, uh, you know, instead of putting on Christ, people, that they're taking him off. It's so interesting. If you have a weakness, and we all have them, don't we? I guess not. I'm, I have weaknesses. You have weaknesses. And what is the point if I have a weakness and I keep feeding that weakness? How am I overcoming the old ways if I keep feeding that weakness? Now, this is something years ago, I won't mention the church. We're on the screen or whatever. And whatever, I don't want, I don't want somebody put a hit out on me. But we were in a church. No churches are perfect. Let's understand that. Now, I'm saying that. But we were in a church, and they were doing a presentation. They had, it wasn't, they had a, a praise band. It wasn't necessarily a praise band. That you, but anyway, there was like a presentation. We had people on the stage. They were singing, and they were doing some dancing. And how can I put this? It kind of shocked me because of some of the girls, young girls who are up on the stage they look like they should have been on the stage in Las Vegas. That bothered me. Because as a Christian, I'm thinking, what about there's somebody out there that is watching this, and they're having difficulty, they're struggling with those kinds of issues, and what's it doing? It's, it's feeding their problem. Churches need to understand, we avoid, well, how what did Joseph do? When he saw this woman who was trying to seduce him, the guy ran. He ran from the temptation. We are called to do that. We cannot overcome if we stay where we're at in our old ways. It's not enough. It's not enough to say, I'm going to change, I'm going to change, but yet we do not do it. Does that make any sense to you? You know, we're going through uh, personally with our nephew that is in at Loyola going through tests because he's got liver problems. You know why he's got liver problems? He's an alcoholic. 57 years old, and the guy is a blatant alcoholic. His liver is gone. So he says to his aunt, he said, Aunt Jan, he said, Boy, I am going to stop drinking. Really? Why would we doubt him? I doubt him completely because I know him. See, it's, you, got, you have to somehow through the anointing of the Spirit to overcome some of these issues, these temptations. If you're a drinker and you can't control it, then stay out of bars. If you can't control it, don't go to booze parties. If that's your real problem that you have, I'm not saying, I'm not saying 
that you, sh- you can't have a drink. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that if you have a drinking problem and you can't overcome it, you need to really stop and think about what you're doing. And if you need help, if you're not helping yourself, you think God is just going to come down and ma- wave a magic wand and it's going to be better? You know, isn't that a little bit taking uh, God, uh, you know, to the foolish test or whatever it is? So I sound a little bit harsh, don't I? But that's so important. But this one I really want to get into is number two thought. Doing the right thing sets us free. That's my phrase that you've been using the last couple of weeks around the house with Jan or whatever. I talk about doing the right thing, doing the right thing. What is the right thing to do? What is it? What's it look like for you? What does it look like for me? It's always any time, so I think any time you are seeking Christ in your life, you're doing the right thing. You might be at a point where you're stuck. You're stuck in a situation or a decision, but if you keep seeking Christ, you are doing the right thing. So I encourage that. So let's look at John 8, verses 33 through 37. Amazing thing about uh, messages and whatever. You've got tons of scriptures you can use. And some, some might say, why do you use that one? Well, because I want to, or the Spirit has led me. But this is interesting, because Jesus was in, was in, in a sense, was in dialogue with, um, with some of his, shall we call uh, friends, or they were giving him problems. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a what? A slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free Indeed, if anyone or anything is holding you captive, is there something that is holding you captive this this morning? For some, they say it's an alcohol issue, and I'm saying here. Or is is that holding you captive? Is it lustful desires? Is it anger? Is it resentment? Is it... Jealousy? Is it pride? Is it greed? Is it just simply a low self-esteem or fear? What sets us free is Christ. Jesus wants to set us free, and it's not, I'm not talking about simply memorizing Scripture or even learning Scripture per se. I'm not. It's surrendering it all to Jesus Christ. I've talked about the Holy Spirit. It's surrendering it all. How do we overcome our issues? How do we overcome those things that just seem to have us held captive? It's through the Holy Spirit. That's the only way. The Spirit can transform us. God can change my nephew in an instant if he's really sincere about that. If he seeks him he can change. You know, think about you. Think about you when you became a born again, a, a believer in Christ. What was your life before? What was your life like before that? 
You know, God transformed you. That's a miracle. You received a miracle. I received a miracle. The Holy Spirit can perform miracles. So that's a wonderful thing that we need to understand that God wants to unshackle all those endless, endless burdens and temptations that enslave us so that we can live freely, joyful, content, and productive lives. How many of you have received a miracle in your life? Okay, miracle. You know, the hands go, you're a miracle. You know, it's something, it just, it's something, it's, it goes beyond yourself, doesn't it? I, I've shared this, but it, I, I just need to bring this up again about the issue. Sometimes these addictions, whatever they might be, they can grab a hold of us and they can just, they can just paralyze us because they're so difficult to overcome. And my good pastor friend, he was, as a teenager, as a young adult, he was into drugs and he's into alcohol. And Wayne Worsma terrorized Fulton, Illinois, when he was a young man growing up. And just don't take my word for it. If you go to Fulton, now Wayne's a pastor. And they say, Wayne, a pastor? He was terrible. And he'll tell you that. But, in fact, his wife told him, if you keep this up, I won't tolerate it anymore. Wayne went to a pastor in Clinton, Iowa, right across the river. And he spent time with that pastor and shared about his drinking, his drug problems. And God healed him instantly. He said, I walked out of, that, of his study, that pastor's study. It was like I never had a drink in my life. That's a miracle. It doesn't always work that way, but God is in business of miracles. We need to trust him. You can't do it on your own. If you're trying to fix yourself, you are going to fail. If you think that you're strong enough that you can fix yourself, you, my brother and sister, you will flat out fail. You can only do it through the power of the Holy Spirit as God leads and as he directs. Ready for number three? We've got three thoughts. We're going to be here for a while for number three. Spiritual blindness. We're going to be looking at Joshua chapter 5, verse 9. You know, occasionally a teacher or a coach, a boss, a pastor, I'm sure maybe it's happened to you, you you come across some young person that has this unbelievable great potential. Ever had that? Someone that you, you know, some young person that you mentor, whatever, and they have just great potential and you know it. Now, as a pastor, if I see a young person that has this great ministry potential, 
What I would try to do is plant seeds of encouragement in that person. Plant those seeds with the hope that they will see what I see in them. And then consider what God might have for them. See what I'm saying? That, my friends, was Joshua. That was Joshua. During the exit, during the days of Moses, Joshua is right there with Moses. And Moses, well, he mentored him. He mentored him. Moses knew that Joshua was special, that God had something special for him. And God, of course, knew it. God knew that he had promise. He knew that he had the faith to lead the Israelites into the promised land. Well, you talk about a setup of why it's so important to see someone that has a gift, to nurture that gift, to encourage that gift so they can use it for, you know, toward, toward their potential and for God's glory. Let's look at verses 5 and 6. We'll break this down. 5 and 6. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, God is talking, of course, to Joshua, so I will be with you. I will never, I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. God told Joshua, you know, to cross into the new territory and receive their inheritance. And then what did God say? In the process of doing this, I will be with you. You will be successful before I am with you. We read this in the Bible. We just read it. But we need to be cautious here and not to be too quick to believe, to believe that God and somehow this guarantees that we will always receive worldly prosperity and success. God, listen, God is more than Botox. He's more than facelifts. He's more than tummy tucks. He's more, he's more, he's more than nose jobs. He's more than nutrisystems. He's more than luxury cars. He's more than mansions. He's more than fat financial portfolios. I am not, I am not denying success. Please hear me. That's not my point here. He's not, but however, God, now listen to this. God is in the business of transforming people in his own image. God is in the business, he's in the business of empowering and equipping people to serve him. Are you with me? Are you with me so far? Okay, God is in the business of delivering people from sin. God is in the business of meeting people's deepest needs, healing their hurts, and restoring minds. God is in the business 
of leading people into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That, I believe, is God's definition of prosperity and success. Does God want you to be successful? Yes. God wants that for you. But he says, keep it in perspective. It's not putting what, what, you know, what drives God probably nuts, if I may use that word, is when we put all the worldly stuff first, and then we, oh yeah, then we kind of bring God along. That's just the opposite of what he wants. He wants to bless us, but he wants to do it according to his will, according to what is best for each and every one of us. Amen? Okay, so far, we're doing good. I think we are. All right, verse 8. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on on it day and night so that you will be careful to do everything written in it. Okay. You guys are the counselor. I am the counselee. So, we keep it right here, okay? It doesn't go out the door. All right? Don't even tell your family, whatever, what I'm going to share with you. And that is that I have made a bundle of mistakes. I know, no. I have made a bundle of mistakes as I sought God's direction. Are you with me? I sought his direction without consulting his word. God wants us to model our lives after his word. This also means to be willing to lead from weakness as well as from strength. When I was a young pastor, it just seemed like that was only yesterday. I felt a pastor couldn't make a mistake. I always had to be on top of my game. I could not show weakness because I'm a leader. I can't show weakness. Maybe two, three years ago, I kind of lose track of time. We had a, 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 had a meeting, uh, I call it our annual meeting, with the servants board. On that board was Chris Rivera, John Melendez, Dewey, and Mike Hand. The plan at that time was to, though those four people had been serving on the board probably since the days of Moses, a long time. They needed a break. So what we decided to do, and Chris can say if I'm right or wrong with this or whatever, that, that we'd take it and we'd, we'd basically split them up. Chris and John would go off the board, get some time off, we'd have Dewey and and Mike stay on the board with experience, whatever. And then after a year or so, then we'd start bringing other people on the board so, so Dewey and Mike could take some time off. Was that a plan? That was a good plan. But somewhere along the line, that plan got derailed. 
The first two guys went off the board, but the other two are still on the board as I speak. Then it hit me. And I think, Dewey, if you don't mind, I, it hit me. Dewey came, approached me a few months ago and said, you know, I really need a break. That's on me. That's on me. I preached, I've talked about not bringing people out, and duh, I'm doing the same thing. Because I left them on out of convenience, my convenience, not theirs. That's my fault. What kind of love did I show my brothers? I didn't even follow through on the plan. Some people are under the assumption that it's a sign of weakness for a leader to admit a mistake. That's wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Why say that? Take a look at the Bible. Of all throughout the word of God, we have read of biblical heroes who led warts and all. None of us are perfect. We all blow it. So if you're too hard on someone else or yourself, then get over that. None of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. Don't we? We all make them. Musicians make mistakes. Have you ever missed a note? You know? I never have because I can't play anything. <laughs> have you ever said something that you say, oh, darn, I wish I could take that back? Or you're at a meeting and you say something, you say, why did I say that? Rudy, why did you say that? <laughs> See, we've all been there, or, we, or somebody that you that you know, maybe it's your work or your business or whatever, you made a mistake. You say, golly, you know, I really blew that. You admit it. Then you learn from it. That's the whole point. We learn from our mistakes. We learn from our weaknesses. Our weaknesses should make us stronger. So whatever our weaknesses are, we need to make them stronger. What's another example of that would be if you're a basketball player and say you're all left-handed, and then you play and your opponent knows that every, you do everything left-handed, what are they going to do? They're going to play to your weakness. So how do you overcome that weakness? You start using the right hand, and you work at it, you work at it, till that your weakness becomes your strength. That's it for us. You know, we need to understand that there's nothing wrong with saying I failed at something. There's nothing wrong to say, I blew it. It's wrong when you keep doing the same thing and you haven't learned your lesson. Amen? All right. Now, that wasn't so bad, was it? We're almost done. Verse 7, be strong again. God said, be strong and, and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Some Christians today are saying, give me the goodies. 
and forget the sacrifices. Part of this is because they have been sold a bill of goods. A bill of goods fostered by some TV evangelists, some prosperity teachings and books from that internet that we're all on. I'm not good at that internet, but I know this, that if I hit, I can find hundreds and hundreds of different prophecies, different teachings on the Word of God. And I'm telling you something. Hundreds and hundreds are wrong. They're just wrong. Why are they wrong? Because so many of them teach us that, that, that God is there. God is there to honor our every grant, our every wish, our every desire. Every day, God is there. He's the great miracle worker. You need a miracle, then you just go and he's going to perform a miracle for you. Does that really happen? Am I that far off? I've been a Christian for longer than most of you have been born. And for the life of me, I can't see how that's really worked. Hasn't worked in my life. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. But I know one thing. I I tried to follow my Lord for all these years. And boy, sometimes things just didn't work out for me as I wanted them to. See where I'm going with this? Somebody said no. (laughs) See, obeying God and following Jesus is putting everything, everything, our success and failure under God's plan, desire, and control. Can you imagine if God, if you, you know, some people like to say treat God as some kind of divine genie that he just will answer all of their prayers. Can you imagine if a God answered every one of your prayers right when you wanted them answered? What do you suppose would happen to your faith? That's something just to think about. I mean, you guys are, are warriors in the faith. If God does it, that's not good for any of us to treat God like a slot machine of some sort that he can just spill out all of our goodies and just give them to us just at our whim. No. And that's not the kind of God that I want to worship. Verse 9, we close with this. God said, again, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, one way of looking at this passage Is through the eyes of faith. Be strong and courageous, and I'll be with you. Therefore, let the chips fall where they may. Don't panic. Don't overthink things over, or overfaith things. If you believe that God is with you wherever you go, then why panic? 
Let the chips fall where they may. It's living with the assurance that God's payday does not always come on Friday. That God will fulfill his promises to us. He will fulfill them. And he does every day. Regardless of the second, the minute, the hour, whatever, every day. If I could summarize what I'm trying to share with my brothers and sisters today, it's this. It's knowing who God is. It is knowing that God is with us. It doesn't matter what's going on in our life. God is with us. And that his word is truth. And salvation is essential. That's the ingredient. That's how we live a life free. Jesus said, you'll be free, you'll be free indeed in Jesus Christ. How many, you don't have to raise your hand, how many right now are in fear of something? How many here now are struggling with the issue in their lives. How many of you are, are just hurting? It could be physically. It could be a job concern, a relationship. How many? What is your heart telling you? What's on your mind? Young people? Is it a relationship? Is it school? Friends? Disagreements? What is it for you? I believe that in closing, that God gives us the same advice and encouragement that He gave Joshua. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Do not be discouraged. But be strong. And be courageous. That's my message for my brothers and sisters here today. No matter what it is for you, be strong and courageous. And let God handle the rest. Can you do that? You'll be a lot better for it if you say, you know, God, this is yours. I don't want it. Boom. I'm kicking it to you because I can't handle it. It sounds so simple, doesn't it? But it works. It works. Let God be God in your life. And let him handle all the rest. Lord Jesus, we praise you and thank you so much. Oh, I know, Lord, sometimes those words are so hard to say, how can we just live them? But Lord, help us to do that. Help us to live out these words, these phrases, Lord. Because I know they're true. But, Lord, we are so weak. Sometimes we just don't get it. And you know that, Lord. But help us to get it. 
I pray for a brother or sister here today that whatever their struggles are, Lord, that they can be strong and they can be courageous knowing that you can handle the rest. What a wonderful God you are. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen.